Welcome to your sanity safe space with your favorite YouTube podcast duo, or at least one of them. It kind of depends and probably some rando too, but no complaining because this is free, free, free. This, this is beauty and the beta bonus audio content. Hello and welcome to the show. This weekend, Blonde sat down with Robin Riley for her interview show called Girl Talk, in which they talked about all things pregnancy and motherhood. If you like what you hear, and I hope that you will, check out Robin's channel using the link in the description. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Hi, everyone. Welcome to my show, Girl Talk. I'm so excited today because I'm joined by my very good friend, Blonde in the Belly of the Beast. We have so many interesting topics that we're going to jump into today. And uh, as you know, she's got some really big news to share with everyone that if you are following her content on uh, Beauty and the Beta, the stream or on her channel, you'll already be aware of. So can't wait to get into it. Welcome to the show, uh, Blonde in the Belly, Blonde in the Belly of the Beast. <laughs> Worst moniker ever. Why did I do this to myself? God, mistake. Good to see uh, I, you, Robin. I, I also know what that feels like, having <laughs> to introduce yourself as critical condition for three years. That's not so fun. No, but um, you recently came out with your name, and I think that's a good, that's a good idea. I should just do that. It honestly is a huge relief because the 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 threat of someone releasing your name is kind of taken away from people, and you kind of realize that. I mean, how much can they really? How much damage can people really do with your name? You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's if people really wanted to find it, they can find it anyway. So yeah. Um, but anyway, so uh, congratulations are in order um, because you recently announced you're pregnant. I am. I can't believe it, but I am pregnant. And hopefully by the time this posts, I'll have a video on my channel announcing my pregnancy because I wanted to get out of my first trimester before I told people. Unfortunately, I had to tell people um, a few weeks ago on my podcast because I had to turn off my webcam to barf one night. <laughs> and so kind of, cat was out of the bag on that one. It's like, I have had the flu for like three weeks. You know, I just had to tell people, I'm like, listen, I'm pregnant. So people are wise too. You know, once, yeah. once they start to watch you on a weekly basis, they start to pick up on things that you wouldn't expect yeah. that they're able to. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, congratulations. I'm so happy for you. And in a very selfish way, I'm just like so excited that I have another friend <laughs> at the same time. And our babies are going to be like, what, like months apart. A few months apart. Yeah, they're going to be like best friends. Be <laughs> I know if I have a girl and you're having a boy. Oh, no. Do people know that? Yeah. Okay. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> we can set them up on little adorable play dates and then force them into an arranged marriage someday. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So um, something that I always start off with when I'm talking to a, a woman about motherhood and that kind of stuff is there the, the journey leading up to pregnancy and the trying to conceive experience. Every woman has different experiences with this. Um, and I'm just curious about, about your experience with trying to conceive and the journey yeah. leading up to this pregnancy. Yeah, it was a whole thing. I got married, um, a year and a half ago and, uh, my husband had been deployed for a long time and my sister and my mom, they got pregnant super easily. And so I was like, this is going to be a cakewalk. So like I started preparing a few months before, you know, my prenatals, I'm exercising, I'm eating healthy for a long time before I tried to get pregnant. And then the first month um, that we tried, 
I got a positive pregnancy test and I'm like, oh my gosh. And then like, I got a few more positive pregnancy tests. Um, one of them was analog. So it just said pregnant on it. But the other ones were like, they were pretty faint. And like, I didn't feel right. I just felt like something was wrong. So like I went to the hospital one night, it was the emergency room and uh, they tested my HCG. Cause I was like, something's wrong. I've had a few positive pregnancy tests. And like the, they came out um, in, 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 I went to the emergency room and they were like, you were never pregnant. Your HCG is two. Um, I don't know what's going on here. And then the next day I started my period. So it was like a normal period that was just a few days late. And so I just freaked, I freaked out because I'm like, I don't know what's going on here. Um, because in a typical chemical pregnancy, when that happens, your HCG stays elevated for a little while. Yeah. So I still kind of don't know what was going on there, but like it messed up my body for a while. Uh, I wasn't having regular periods. This is girl talk, so I feel like this probably isn't. Yeah, TMI is standard on girl talk. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I've watched. I've heard some people tell their birth stories, so I'm like, I kind of feel like I I can talk about about pretty much anything on here. It's okay. Yeah, there's a lot of women who are really going to appreciate you being candid about these things, so I say go for it. Because, you know, it's not always straightforward. Um, like, I've always heard people say, like, pregnancy, you're either pregnant or you're not pregnant. And I was like, well, what if you're you're kind of pregnant? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, what if something like that happens? Um, so my body was really messed up. Like, the cycle after that was anovulatory. And then I had a few cycles that were, like, 50 days long, uh, 45 days long. And it didn't go back to normal for for six months. And during this time oh. period... I'm freaking out because people on my channel are like, you've been trying for six months. What's going on? Where's, where's your baby? Why aren't you pregnant yet? And I'm getting like messages from people all the time. Like you're barren, <laughs> you know? And so I just was so stressed. Never been more stressed out in my life. Never had worse anxiety. And then like, I'm like, all right, if I get to a year and I'm not pregnant, um, I'll start getting some testing done. So at a year, I'm like, I go into my doctor. I'm like, I want you to do all the stuff like test me for everything i got like an hsg test where they um put iodine through your fallopian tubes and make sure everything's open and, and everything was fine my fsh was five which is very low and that's good my amh was almost 10 which is very high so it means i had a really good egg supply and i don't have pcos um so i'm like what's going on um and then the month after i had all these tests because i was so stressed out about the actual testing was the month I got pregnant. <laughs> so I think that, you know, I'm seeing all these doctors and everything and they're all telling me like, look, there's not a lot of science behind this, behind what I'm about to tell you, but I think you just need to relax. And I'm telling them about my job. I'm like, but all these people, they, they think I'm infertile and everybody's on my case about like not getting pregnant, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, you need to take a break from your channel and you need to go to yoga and you need to get a lot of sleep every night. And you need to chill your balls or you're never going to get pregnant. And then it was like after I got that testing done, um, it was the month I got pregnant. And it was just such a relief because like I was so convinced that, <laughs> that something was wrong. I was like, oh, my God. And everybody in the world is going to know because so many people are invested in my pregnancy story. And I'm going to have to get on my channel and tell people that I'm infertile and everything like that. And like the thought of that was just so horrifying to me um, that I, tr I truly believe in my heart that being stressed out and having all these cortisol surges and sleeping badly, uh, things like that were severely inhibiting my ability to get pregnant. And just the obsession of like tracking ovulation, tracking my menstrual cycle, temping, just, I was doing all the stuff. And I watched your video on trying to conceive and I was like, 
this is the best advice. If I can just follow this advice. And so I tried to implement some of these things. And then I was pregnant within like a few months. So thank you. Robin got me pregnant, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If I had any small thing to do with it, then that makes me so overjoyed and so happy. Uh, But wow, like, you know, I think it's really amazing that you're able to share this story. Thank you so much for sharing this, this sort of trying to conceive um, experience with um, my audience, because I think that there are a ton of women out there who will relate to it and be comforted by hearing, you know, the fact that you, you got through it and that stress, you know, it's actually shocking how big of an effect it can have on your, on your body and on your biology and your your overall health. Um, But yeah, so congratulations. Thank you You, so much. You you made it through. Now the real work begins, you know, like I was so obsessed with getting pregnant that like, I didn't think a lot about about birth and then like having to raise a kid because I was just so convinced that there was something wrong when there wasn't. Um, And so now I'm like, I actually have to push this sucker out of like, I've got to do this now. Oh and my. And raise them. And then raise them. Right. It's like, what was I thinking? <laughs> um, and I just, before we move on to the next part of my questioning with regard to your pregnancy, I just want to highlight the fact that, um, you know, being online and going through this process is a uniquely horrible experience because of the way people speak to you. Everyone has an opinion. Everyone wants to tell you their horror stories. Everyone wants to, you know, just stick their nose into things that really aren't their business and be, be like cruel in a way, I think. Um, and I really hope that by people hearing, you know, that you went through this and, and I, I've experienced stress as a result of these sorts of um, comments that you receive online in our like political circles. Um, I hope that people will maybe like just take a little pause before they decide to say something, uh, you know, a woman's fertility or like how long it's taking them to get pregnant because you really just don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Right. And you don't know if there's a a male fertility factor, which like luckily wasn't our problem. That's actually a more difficult problem to solve. And you usually have to move to to in vitro if that's the issue. Um, So luckily that wasn't our issue, but um, you know, you never know what's going on. And fertility is such an issue that is it's close to our hearts and it's so wrapped up in our, identities or identities are so wrapped up in the fertility issue that like just the thought that I may never be a mother it was you know I'm trying to explain to my husband like what this is like he's like you just need to chill you're gonna get pregnant eventually it's fine and I'm like you don't understand like the thought that I could never be a mother is scarier to me than than death it's it's the scariest it's it's my biggest fear um I just can't imagine a world in which in which I can't do that. Like I just, I just couldn't get over it, but it was just the fear of it that was really preventing me from getting pregnant. And so for people that are like struggling to get pregnant, which I wouldn't really say I struggled, you know, I, I only tried for, let's see, it was the the 15th month that I got pregnant, but that was actually the 10th cycle because of chemical pregnancy and how it affected my body. Um, and I know, know people that are like three years into this, six years into this, um, you know, girl defined, Yes. this YouTube channel. One of the sisters has been struggling with infertility for eight years and she has had three miscarriages and she just had her third miscarriage um, at 11 weeks. 
which is like pretty deep into a pregnancy, you know? Yeah. And so I don't want to say that like I identify with it because like my experience was not like that. I had like maybe one chemical pregnancy and then it took me like a pretty average amount of time to get pregnant. I mean, um, after adjusting for all that. So like, I don't want to be like, oh, it was so awful or anything like that. Um, I think that my experience for somebody in their early 30s was probably pretty standard, but I think it would have taken me half the time if I would have just been able to control the stress around me, which I wasn't able to do. I was reading everything about me, internalizing everything. Like I was like reading manosphere comments and articles about me <laughs> and like me not getting pregnant and stuff. And I was like, why am I doing this to myself? And then once you read enough stuff about yourself and um, especially in a situation like this, like you start to believe it like you internalize those things and that's really what I was doing so yeah if you're trying to get pregnant and it's not going super well just try to enjoy your marriage and that's another thing like uh, this is this is the entire first year and a half of my marriage that like I polluted with my own stress and anxiety and fear and like that was time that I could have spent um you know doing a better job being a wife or like trying to bring some comfort to my husband who was experiencing the same thing and like I dropped the ball because it became about me and my fear and 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 just the terrible anxiety surrounding all these issues and so now I really regret like I'm never going to get that time back with my husband ever um and I really regret that so like I know it's difficult but if you guys are in a similar situation just try to focus on the now and be with your family and especially if you already have a child just like just the gratitude of the things that you have I think that will really help get you through Absolutely. And don't go to the manosphere <laughs> perspective on fertility. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, but these, a lot of these people that make a point of making content in the manosphere, specifically about women's fertility, they are not acting in good faith. They're, right. they're, look, they're looking for a dunk, you know, right, on, right. on roasties. <laughs> Like, like, like that's what it is, you know? And I think yeah. when you actually start to look at the reality of fertility, um, you see how complex it is and you see how there is actually quite a lot of mystery surrounding conception there. Like, like you said, there are women who have been trying and have been dealing with infertility for years and years and years. And then suddenly they have a little miracle baby that comes out of nowhere, you know? And they don't know how it happened or anything like that. Exactly. I should mention this is Martinelli's. I'm not just sitting here drinking wine. On- <laughs> <laughs> just a on the <laughs> yeah. And one of the things that kept coming up, so this was like, um, I don't remember what was going on when I was trying to get pregnant, but there was some like, I kept seeing this thing circulating that women have lost 90% of their eggs by the time they're 30. Yes. And like that always freaked me out because I was trying to get pregnant at 31 and I was like, oh my fucking God. So I looked <laughs> into all of this stuff. Like I really delved into the statistics on it um, because my AMH, I have, I'm in the 95th percentile for egg quantity for an 18 year old, but I still was not getting pregnant. And so I looked into, I did like a ton of research and there is no correlation between your egg quantity and your time to pregnancy. And we talked a little bit about this before the show, but when a baby, a female baby is in utero, they're already losing eggs. Exactly. They've already, <laughs> yeah. So by the time a girl has had her first period at age 11 or 12, she's lost half of her eggs. Yeah. By the time she's a teenager, she's lost 60%. By the time she's at peak fertility, which is age 22 to 23, um, 
a lot of people in our realm think that it's like 16 to 20, but the pelvis uh, isn't fully formed then. So there are some issues and that can be uh, that can happen during birth. So peak fertility is really around 22 to 25. Yeah. And by that time, a woman has lost 75% of her eggs. They're they're gone. And by 30, it's about 85%. So, like, I, it is true that 85% of your eggs are dead by the time you're 30. But, like, the context around uh, lifetime egg loss, I think, is is really important. And then if my story tells anybody anything, you know, 95th percentile for egg quantity for an 18-year-old when I was 31. And I, I'm just, like, not getting pregnant. And so I just, I think it's really important that people know that like egg quality is more important than egg quantity. And um, we do, we just lose eggs our whole lives, but you really only need a few good eggs. Yeah. Um, and I think the, like thing, 10 <laughs> I think the important thing is just to start before you're 35 and to try to wrap it up by the time you're 40. Um, Cause that's when the birth defects start to get it's I don't know what people's general risk tolerance is, but that's when I look at the Down syndrome charts and things like that, and I'm like, Ugh, I'm not I'm not super comfortable yeah. with that risk. But until and 35, I'm not I'm not worried about it. Yeah, same. And I think it is also something to be said for the fact that um, you know in 40 at 40, around that age, um, the the actual uh, experience of pregnancy and birth can be a lot harder to recover from for the woman, right? Yeah, there are risk yeah. factors that you're you're now looking at as a, as a mother that you wouldn't be looking at, um, you know, 35 and under. Uh, and I also think it's worth mentioning that, like, you know, your general health, whether you're a smoker, um, you know, like, whether you exercise a moderate amount, what your diet is like, like these things, even, even like your, your, your genes, like your actual biology. I think if we're really going to have an honest and intellectually honest discussion about fertility, uh, you can't really leave these things out. Like, like obviously if you want to have a big family and you want to have a quick recovery, or the earlier start the early yeah the earlier the better no one no one here is trying to say you know wait until the last minute but the scare tactics surrounding egg quantity i think um all they really do is they result in women uh being really stressed and having their value put into question and ironically it has some pretty detrimental effects on fertility <laughs> i know i know right <laughs> Like I am just the case study, the case study for that. I mean, I don't want to say that like, I'm glad I started when I started. Like I wish, uh, I don't wish I would have started when I was in my early twenties because I wasn't in the position that I'm in now. And I didn't know my husband then, but I do wish that I had matured enough by that time that I would have been in that position. Cause if I would have started at 23, you know, I could have had eight kids. Yeah. Um, but now I'll be lucky if I can have, I'll be really lucky if I can have four. Yeah. Um, and you know, I don't know how much bigger I really wanted my family to be, but like, if you start in your twenties, that's an option at least. Yeah. And you want to give yourself all the options you possibly can. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I definitely like, I understand the right wing culture around starting a family early and the importance of starting a family early. Um, but like this thing about your fertility falling off a cliff at 30 is, is not true at 35 starts to really go down. But like, the difference in egg quality and quantity for a 33-year-old versus a 27-year-old is pretty negligible. Not that different. No, it's <laughs> not that different. Um, and I think the thing that often gets uh, left out of the conversation as well with the start early, 
you know, start early because fertility window thing is that like women need a solid man to, to build their family with. And men um, are not as on board with taking on the role of provider and father and husband as what they used to be. You can't do it on your own. Right. Um, and I, I also feel like if I had met my husband in my early 20s, sure, like that would have been the ideal situation. But I am really happy that I didn't uh, settle on a substandard relationship with a man who wasn't really going to go the whole way with me right. um, <clears throat> just so that I could have kids early. Yeah. Right. Um, the quality of the man that I have right now is much better than what I had when I was in my early twenties. And I think that the outcome for my children is going to be much higher as a result of yeah, definitely waiting to find the right guy. Um, to be fair, though, I think both of us followed atypical dating patterns. Like, mm -hmm. I get a lot of pushback from, like, MGTOWs and stuff like that. They're like, you banged chads all through your 20s, and then you settled down with this beta simp. I'm like, that is not what happened. It was like, <laughs> the guys I was dating were beta males to the max yeah. until I met my husband. Yeah. Who is the chad? I married the chad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I met him in my late 20s. So so it's like, I, I don't know how representative my dating experience is for the general public. I think yeah. that it's probably true that a lot of chicks are like, like banging the hot guy that won't settle down with them in their 20s. And then they get to their 30s and they freak out and they're like, what do I do? And they look around and they're like, there are only these weirdo dudes left and they yeah. snatch them up. So maybe that's more typical. Well, I had... Um like my, my dating experience before I met my husband um, and I, I just like you, I married the Chad, um, you know, the guys, the guys that I was with or were with uh, before him, they definitely were like more beta by comparison. But the problem was that they didn't want to have families. Yeah. And like I, I was kind of like a hippie, you know, and so I dated kind of hippie guys and they were the, they were the type that were like, I don't believe in the institution of marriage. Like this, this, this kind <laughs> Kind of guy and yeah. I ended up waste, wasting like seven years on a guy who had no intention of marrying me you know and I think this is also a really common uh story that millennial women experience is that yeah. you know you have so much time invested in someone you know and you keep thinking well maybe the following year maybe maybe the following year no and it's like it just doesn't materialize uh, a lot of the time and you no. end up having to like take it on the chin that you just wasted a huge chunk of your 20s with someone who never really wanted to commit with you to begin with. Right, right. And I think that, like, some of the blame needs to be, and I, you know, I've wasted time, my time in, in stupid relationships where, like, the guy was pretty honest about not wanting to have a family, but I was yeah. just like, well, maybe, well, maybe I'll change his mind. Yes, um, <laughs> and, you know, I, I get a lot of callers on my Wednesday show that are younger and they're like, well, like, there are no good men. Like, so they're, they're younger women, like, high value women, and they're like, I, I don't, I don't know what to do. Like uh, guys don't want to get married, whatever. My advice to myself in my twenties and to all younger women, if a guy has not proposed by a year, if you don't know that you want to get married by a year, that guy is never going to marry you. He's never going to marry you. Cut your losses. And like this thing of like, Oh, I've spent so much time with him. Um, I, I should just keep investing. That is a sunk cost fallacy. Don't do it with men. Don't do it with finances. Cut your losses, move on, find somebody else. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love that. So true. <laughs> I know. And it's just like, but it's hard to follow that advice because like a lot of the times you, you, you love the person, you, you, you love yes. the person. And then it's like, what yeah. do you, what do you do? You like have spent five years or whatever with this dude. And sometimes they're giving you just enough hope that they're going to marry you. Um, yes. But you know, in your heart girl that's listening right now 22 year old girl that's been dating the same guy since you were 16 you know that he's not going to marry you (laughs) find your chad yes exactly um i think i've mentioned this before um people might think that it's a bit clinical um (laughs) but i think it's i think it's like worth uh stating like when like i when i met my my husband um we both put it on the table up front. Like I'm talking like first date kind of thing. Like what is your five-year plan? Do you want a family? Is marriage something that you want? And, you know, being in our early thirties at the time I was in my late twenties, um, but knew that, you know, early thirties is right around the corner. Um, Mm -hmm. we didn't want to waste any time. We didn't, we both had wasted way too much time on people who were not worth it. And we, we wanted to get that out of the way in the beginning so that we wouldn't waste more time. And let me tell you, like you might, it might sound like it's not very romantic to, to like, you know, be so sort of, um, you know, type a about your, your relationship in the beginning, but there's actually nothing more romantic than letting yourself fall in love with someone that, you know, you actually can have a future with. Oh yeah. That's very sweet. Yeah. (laughs) It so is. I would, I, mean, I would recommend, you know, by date four, if you haven't put it on the table that you want a family and sussed out the situation with the man that you're dating, um, you're you're probably already wasting some time because you don't know yeah. what this guy's intentions are. And the right guy won't mind. The right guy will probably appreciate it. Yeah, that's definitely true. And then, like, a lot of us forget that the entire purpose of dating is uh, to find a marriageable partner. I mean, that is why people used to date. And, like, I wish we had a society that was focused on courtship and not this tinder style dating where everybody's disposable you know courtship like a a daughter used to be handled by her father who was watching over her courtship making sure that like nobody took her virtue or that the guy was serious and there were expectations surrounding courtship And, and i look at that and i'm like yes like we have bastardized and adulterated the concept of dating so much that now it's just a sexual free-for-all like like luckily i barely miss tinder culture like i was never on tinder or anything like that i barely missed it but like when i talk to younger people now that are on tinder i just feel like are you kidding me like this is what dating has been reduced to it sounds it sounds terrible it just sounds so terrible i'm so grateful i'm married so grateful i'm married I completely agree. Well, we went off on a little bit of a tangent. (laughs) Sorry. But no, it was a very good tangent, very necessary tangent. But I want to swerve back a little bit into just a little bit of discussion about your pregnancy and about like hashtag mom stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So um, I'm always interested to find out about early pregnancy and how you experienced it, your symptoms, whether or not you had any feelings about whether or not you were pregnant before you took a test. What was, what was your like early, right before you found out to found out pregnancy like? Um, well, uh, like I have, I thought that I was pregnant a few times before. And then of course I had the weird chemical pregnancy thing. So I was like, 
not, and I'm pretty good at convincing myself, convincing myself that I have symptoms when I don't. Like I remember one right. month, I was totally convinced I was pregnant because I was watching. For some reason, I was watching like an H three H three episode where they were talking about mukbangs. Okay. <laughs> and then they showed this video clip of this like big black chick eating um like giant crab legs that she was dipping in an alfredo sauce and i was just like oh and i was just leaning over my sink dry heaving so that month i was like i'm pregnant and i found out about it because of this mukbang situation uh wasn't pregnant that month just really grossed out about the mukbang i guess um so like there have been a few times where i'm like uh but this month i broke out into the, the month that i was pregnant i broke out into a, an itchy rash all over my neck interesting and like that's atypical and like i've read that when you're trying to sp spot um pregnancy symptoms that you should just look for things that are unusual you know yeah. but then i also felt exactly like i was going to start my period like i'm bloated i'm having menstrual cramps i'm having breast tenderness and then like i was experiencing a little bit of nausea and i was really fatigued but that's all just falls under the category of my normal premenstrual sy symptoms and so i was like i just have a weird rash and then uh, after the chemical pregnancy incident or whatever that was, I was like, I'm not taking any more pregnancy tests. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing this. And I picked that up from your video because I'm like, is it any better that I know if this happens again? I don't think it is. So I just stopped taking pregnancy tests. Um, but I'm charting my cycle uh, obsessively like a crazy person. So like my period's one day late. It's two days late. It's three days late. And by the time it was like five days late, I'm like, I'll take a pregnancy test in a week. I'll do it. That's and then I took really, a, That's really holding out. I did. I was like, <laughs> I want my period to be like a week to two weeks late um, so I can be sure. And I wanted to get past that time that I had had the chemical pregnancy, which was about uh, a week after my missed period. So I was like, I just want to get past that time and then I'll take yeah. a pregnancy test. So I took a pregnancy test. Um, oh, also, I work out. I used to work out a lot before I got pregnant. Um <laughs> And I remember doing a bar class and I was just so tired that everybody's like planking or something. And I just remember laying on the floor on my back, just like, just like tapped out. Like, Screw you bitches. I'm not doing anything. I was just so tired. I've never been so tired in my life. So I think it was that day. I was like, it's time. Time to take a pregnancy test. I went and I got like four boxes of two pregnancy tests each. I got the analogs. Like I got all this different ones. Digital. In my, yeah, <laughs> I did it all. <laughs> I'm peeing in a cup and then I'm testing, I'm testing, I'm testing. I took a bunch of them at the same time and then they were all just like blazing positive. And I know. And then um, I wanted to wait a little while to tell people, but I just sent like 10 people pictures of the pregnancy test because I couldn't keep my mouth shut. And <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. one of those people. I know. Amazing. And so there are there are wives' tales about um early symptoms and like whether you're carrying low or high and all these things that um people say can help you predict the gender. I don't know how much we should really put weight in them, but I find them just kind of fun. Um and I also know most women that I speak to have a feeling about what they think they're going to have in terms of gender. So have you had any symptoms that like correspond with wives tales or any like intuitions about what gender your baby's going to be? I mean, I based on absolutely no scientific information think that it's a girl. Um, but I don't I don't know. I also don't care because it took yeah. me so long to get pregnant that I'm like, 
healthy baby don't have a preference don't don't care yes but at the first ultrasound they say although i think this probably is also an old wives tale that um a higher heart rate is associated with uh having a girl i've heard that yeah what was your your baby's heart rate when you did went to the first ultrasound oh gosh i can't remember it's terrible but i don't remember no, no, it's okay. I mean, it's, it's, just, I think mine was like 151 or something like that, which is pretty high. And so I was like, well, maybe, maybe it's a girl. And it might have been that that implanted this feeling that I'm having a girl, but I'm carrying real low. Right. So, which they say uh, could be a boy. They say it could be a boy. Yeah. yeah I'm carrying quite low and I, I'm having a boy. Um, I thought I was having a boy because I just turned into an absolute monster for my entire first trimester. And I was just like looking for fights with everyone. Um, <laughs> now my husband forgives me because he's like, oh, she's just experiencing a bit of a tea, tea yeah. boost maybe there. <laughs> Pumping through your um, veins. I didn't know they could tell the gender so early. So I did a gender test um, on Tuesday and I'm waiting for the results. It was just a blood test. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm yeah. Really- to find out what it's going to be are are, are are our babies going to be best friends or like marriage they're going to get married i wonder <laughs> <laughs> um so with regard to your prenatal care um i know i personally have had a bunch of different um unexpected struggles with regard to prenatal care um not just you know um finding a provider that i trust um Um, But like sifting through the absolute mounds of conflicting opinion and research um, and perspective out there online on what's the best way to birth, what's the best way to carry your pregnancy. Um, Like, as you know, like we've spoken in great length about this, like there, there seems to be two major camps. There's like, I believe they're, they they call like people refer to them as like crunchy moms (laughs) where, where they're like, they're like all natural, like. You know, I it was funny. I think Julia described them as like having their babies in tree houses, like and eating like, avocado like, toast. And, yeah, and eating <laughs> avocado toast. Yeah. yeah. So there's those moms, right? Which I think that there is a little bit of um, a shift going on in that community now, where people are being a little bit less judgmental about things like epidurals and C-sections because people are becoming more aware that these things are sometimes necessary because of things like the baby's positioning, right? Like that's not something you can really prepare for or deal with when you're in the middle of uh, labor. And then there's the other side, which is the extreme opposite, which is like, I'm going in for my scheduled C-section. I don't want to feel anything. I'm going to be wearing a full face of makeup and nails, like while I'm giving birth, like, um, and there seems to be like kind of no in between and there's such drastically opposing camps. Yeah. Um, I feel like I kind of fall somewhere in between. Um, but that doesn't mean that I'm not constantly feeling like I'm being pulled in one direction or another, depending on what information I'm encountering. So like, have you, I think you have experienced some of this. What's your perspective on this, this sort of situation? Um, I think once I got pregnant, like my instinct to be judgmental towards other people's births really diminished um so right now i just kind of feel like like as long as you are not one of these i'm scheduling my c-section moms like however you can get through the birth and have a healthy baby and have a normal bonding relationship with your baby i'm 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 fine with it's just about the individual risk assessment like I know a lot about home births and i'm probably going to give birth in a hospital but only because i am i'm so 
neurotic and risk averse. Um, And I don't want my dogs barking through my entire pregnancy. Like (laughs) I don't want to deal with the cleanup and I, I trust my midwife team and, um, and my doctors, like I I really like them and they work at this hospital that has a, an ultra low C-section rate and yeah, ultra low. Um, And my friend recently gave birth at the same hospital and she said that it was like, like such a natural experience. Like they're really into natural births at this hospital. They're not going to push me. Yeah. And it's just this team of wonderful midwives that are also RNs. They all have their master's degrees and everything like that. Um, And then if something goes wrong, they call in the OB-GYN. So amazing. Yeah. So I feel really good about that. I mean, I know the background risk for any birth um, of having an issue where you have to deliver in the hospital is three to 5%. And that for most women is they're going to be like, that's a negligible risk. But for me, it's a non-negligible risk, which is the only reason I'm doing it in a hospital. Like people that are doing natural births, I totally respect that. I totally understand why they're doing it. Um, I, I understand the home birth culture and I respect it. Um, but it's just, I'm just too, I'm just too risk averse. Like I want to be in a hospital just in, just in case. <laughs> I think you know? it's really important that we're honest with ourselves about these things because there is an element in like the home birth community where I think um, women, like a lot of women want bragging rights. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they want to be able to say that they completed the Iron Man of birth and they did it and that kind of a thing. And they don't actually take into account, am I the kind of person who can handle this? Um, Is this really about me and my baby or is this about me? Right, you know? And I think it takes a lot of maturity and a lot of uh, self-awareness to come to the conclusion that you have come to. And you're also, you seem so fortunate to be able to have those resources where mm-hmm. you have like midwives and like a really mom-friendly um, hospital environment to birth. Right. In. Not everybody has that either. So, so no. I do understand. Yeah. And I've heard like from state to state, there's a lot of variety Mm -hmm. in the kind of um, resources that women have access to. So um, yeah, I I know for myself, like I really want to try for a home birth. That's what I have my heart set on. But like the more I expose myself to birth stories, um, the more I realize that it's like, it gets up to my baby, how it's going to happen. Like it's not actually up to me. The baby will choose his birth path and he will come into this world the way that he wants to come into this world and I'm just kind of there to go along for the ride to make sure that everything's right, safe. Right. And you know, as as low low risk, like you said, and least traumatic as absolutely possible. So No, that's so good too. And I think a lot of women they're so set on the home birth, but like what if your baby flips over two days before you have a home birth schedule and then you've got a breach birth and then you've got a whole different set of thing of concerns that you have to deal with. Um and then I think in that situation I'd be like, I'm gonna go to the hospital. Totally. But I, I know a lot of women that are be like, oh no, I'm going to do this breech birth at home, and I just, I just, I just don't think I could do it. I don't think I could. Yeah, do it. no, I'm, I'm honestly like I'm simultaneously preparing for the prospect of ending up in the hospital. Like I have an OBGYN who I go to regularly. She does like all sorts of tests on me, and then I give that information to my midwife. So they're kind of working in tandem with me. And like, it's to the point where when I go into labor, I'm going to call my midwife and I'm going to call my OBGYN and I'm going to say, I'm in labor. Right. right. Um, I may be coming in. Yeah. You know, like just, just be aware that like I'm going into labor and so you may see me soon. Hopefully not, but maybe, maybe you will. Right. Yeah. And there's also the, the component of like what happens after the baby's been delivered. 
you know, you might be lucky enough to have a home birth, but then you might need to go straight to the hospital because of either blood loss or the baby needed to go go to like the NICU or like all different things. Right. So it makes sense to, uh, I think not make your birth plan all about yourself and just like what you want and try to be, you know, aware of all the different things that can happen as possible and like prepare for those things. Yeah. But that has to be my style anyway. The greatest benefit of having a home birth is that you don't have to go anywhere after, and that's something that, that really appeals to me about it. It's like, well, I wouldn't have to put this teeny tiny baby in a car seat and like waddle my destroyed vagina out of this, <laughs> out of the hospital and like get into a car and drive home. Like you wouldn't have to do any of that. And so when my friends were telling me about their home births, I'm like, that sounds pretty choice. That sounds really good. Yeah. You have your own food around. Your own toilet. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Your own (laughs) products, your own clothes, it's your own bed. There, there are a lot of benefits to it, but, um, like you said, it, it's really at the end of the day, it's really about risk assessment Mm -hmm. and all those things are like secondary to like you and your baby doing okay at the end. Um, do you have like a birth, a birth outcome that you're hoping for or something that you would like to avoid? Or are you, are you comfortable with all of it? I'm, you know, as healthy baby and I'm only 12 weeks. So like, I haven't gotten deep into the thought process. I'm still kind of (laughs) avoiding it. I will. Yeah. Um, but I'm just like anything I can do to avoid having a C-section, I will do it. I mean, if I have to have a C-section, then like, so be it. But, but. I, I, it better be like a legitimate emergency if I have to have a C-section and none of this like, oh, I don't know. It's taking you like a little bit long to labor. I'm going to be like, I'm pushing this baby out. Nobody's going <laughs> to, nobody's going to make me have a C-section. Um, so outside of that, that's really what I'm most afraid of. As far as the epidural is concerned, like it's really easy for me right now to be like, I can do it. Um, yeah. but talk to me in six months when I go start going into labor and I'm going to be like, you give me that epidural. Like I have no idea what I'm going to be like then. Um, so I don't want to be in this situation where I'm like, I'm definitely going to have a natural childbirth. I know I can handle it. Cause I don't know that. I don't know that I can handle yeah. it. I might need the epidural. I like, I might truly need it or I won't be able to push the baby out. So. Yeah. There are, there are women who don't dilate unless they get an epidural like and it's not even about the pain management it's about their their body not being able to open up properly right right you know so like i think you know the the fact that you know we've got the manosphere over here like finger wagging about fertility and stuff and then we've got the crunchy moms over here and they're like you know shaming you unless you're doing everything holistically and natural with like Reiki sessions in between. Like (laughs) it's, we just need to, I think we just need to try and find the middle ground and be a little bit easier on ourselves. Totally. And then this experience, it's like, I just have like a deep reverence for women now that, that go through the childbirth process. And it's just, it's a difficult thing. And like you do it how you have to do it yeah, to get that healthy baby out so that you can be a good mom. And like, if you have a healthy baby and you are a good mom and, and you did what you could, that was the right thing for you. Only, only the mom knows what the right thing for her is in that situation. Um, then like, I'm not going to judge you because it is a traumatic process. I'm only 12 weeks pregnant. And like the changes already in my body, which are, are 
already a super unfortunate. Um, like I can't even imagine what it's going to be like when I'm pushing this baby out. <laughs> yeah, dude, tell me about it. <laughs> I actually haven't gained any weight. I still weigh exactly the same, but just the just the redistribution of fat. It's, yeah, it's so weird. sad. It's, it's really <laughs> weird. It's I didn't gain any weight in my first trimester either, but like my body definitely. Changed. Oh, I know. I'm I'm it's so, so pear shaped now, and like my my ass is a mess. It's a real bummer. <laughs> It's a real bummer. I was looking at my body in the mirror yesterday and I'm like 12 weeks and this is, this is what this baby has done. Fine. Worth it. <laughs> yeah. I also haven't worked out though. That's really the, the real thing. Just yeah. being totally unable to work out in the first trimester because I'm so tired. Yeah. I, I was the same. Like I had, I had a really great workout schedule. I was working out like four times a week. Me too. Before I yeah. got pregnant and like, I was just like loving it and like feeling like expending the energy in the gym was giving me energy and I was just like a well-oiled machine and, then, like, I and I was like oh well I guess walking to the corner store as like my daily exercise right yeah <laughs> thankfully things things get better in the second trimester can you um, go back to working out normally uh, no, you have to work out differently just because your body is different and you're carrying weight different and you don't want to be doing like super intense core exercises or oh, like that's all bar is it's all core oh, yeah. work. <laughs> um, I can't go back. But if you're lucky like me and you have a like gym cell husband who <laughs> insists on you being at the gym three days a week and wants to train you. Um, you know, there are things you can do and okay. you will get the energy back in the second trimester so that you can do it. And like, now I'm at a stage where, when my husband's like going to the gym, I'm like, okay, me too. And I feel like I'm doing something for my baby when I'm there and it's, and it's great and it feels good. And I come back and I have a good night's sleep and it's awesome. But oh, if it wasn't for so him, reassuring. That's good. if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't do it though. <laughs> I would probably still be like next to the fire, like eating crackers and cheese. <laughs> oh, so much just carbs. I just want to eat crackers just constantly. <laughs> is this brain fog going to clear up in the second trimester? Cause that's another, no, it gets worse. Oh, it gets I've worse. never felt dumber in my whole life than I do right now. I know it's really, it's like really, really bad. And I mix up words. I say things wrong all of the time. Oh yeah. Make sense. Losing things. Like every single time I get out of my car, I leave my cell phone in the car. And I have to, I come in the house, I take off my shoes, and I'm like, where's my phone? And then I have to go back out to the car and get my phone. Yeah. Every time. Every oh, yeah. time. With oh, yeah. Else. This gender card. Okay, so uh, to see what the, my baby's gender is. They're like, this is really important. Log in when you get home and we'll send you. I left that at the hospital. And then yesterday, <laughs> left it in a pile of like my sister's trash. <laughs> And like and they're like, this is so important. Don't lose this. I'm like, got it. I'm forgetting words. The other day, I was trying to say mnemonic device, and I said pneumatic device on my podcast. It's like I I can't do anything. Any. It's it's like unprecedented levels of of retardation. And I'm like, is this gonna end? So it gets worse, is what you're telling me. It gets way worse. Um, <gasps> no. At least in my experience, it has only gotten worse. And based on what, you know, Lindsay Shepard, she recently yeah. had a baby a few months back. She, when I spoke to her, she, because like she writes for the Post Millennial, I think. She writes articles and stuff. And after she had 
the baby, she was like struggling to form sentences um, because she was just like so depleted, I guess, in energy and nutrients and stuff. Um, and so she did a bit of research and she told me that um, you actually have a decrease in white matter after you give birth because of the nutrient starvation. You have this little being that's literally sucking the nutrients out of you. Yeah. So like it's, it's bound to affect your, your uh, comprehension abilities <laughs> so yeah it, it, that's only gonna get worse get a notepad <laughs> or like a memo recorder <laughs> it's really bad my husband's like what is going on because i'm also just um stopping sentences mid-sentence and then like leaving the room too yeah. <laughs> Have you, i go into rooms and i'm just like i don't what know am why i here, I'm here. <laughs> why am i here i'll open the fridge and i'll be like i'm not even hungry like why am i why why am i here how did i get yeah here? And then you realize you were just trying to go to the bathroom to brush your teeth. Then you just stopped at the fridge on accident. And you're like, I've done that a few times before. Oh, no. Well, that's disappointing. But at least I can work out again. That's, that's yes. good. Yeah, you will, you will get the energy back for okay. sure in the second trimester. From most of the women that I've hurt, you will get the energy back. Um, so speaking of uh, changes as a result of pregnancy, um, something that we've spoken about um, in private is that we both feel a kind of um, pulling back and a pulling away from political content or in the very least less drive to be focusing on this type of content. Um, what, what, what's been your experience with being a content creator um, and your motivation for topics that used to kind of, you used to be really passionate about yeah. now that you're moving into pregnancy? I mean, I think a lot of things kind of happened at once. Like, um, mm -hmm. I left Seattle, so I wasn't that I wasn't pissed off all the time because I wasn't yeah. surrounded by all these idiots that were accosting me with their their stupidity. So I and anger has been a huge motivator on my channel. Like yeah. I'd always make videos when I was just seething, just <laughs> so mad. And I'm just not I'm just not angry anymore because I live in this wonderful community filled with wonderful people and and my friends. And then I have all this these great female friends now, like you. And so I just yeah. I just don't feel that pissed off anymore. And then like. I, I'm probably going to get some flack for this. I don't even know if I should say it. But as a movement, I think, one, we've lost cohesion. Two, we've lost momentum. And three, like at this stage, if you would have talked to me in 2016 and and you were like, in at the end of 2019, you're still going to be talking about free speech. There's still going to be a bunch of like wrecked feminist nonsense. Yeah. I'd be like, are you serious? I thought that by this point we would be community building that we would be doing things like in the real world that we would have gained some kind of political power i know it's only been i've only been doing my youtube channel for four years but it just feels like an eternity and it's going nowhere it's just like or it's circular like i just can't i can't engage in this like ben shapiro style conservatism and i don't want to and then the bannings um like, I just feel like I can't talk about anything that I want to. I just feel like YouTube has kind of jumped the shark. Yeah. And uh, and I don't care. Like, if I have to talk about impeachment or Ukraine one more time on my <laughs> podcast, like, people are like, you look so bored. I'm like, I am so bored. I don't want to talk about this anymore. I... I just, can't, I just can't anymore. And then I think that something that happens, especially when you get pregnant, is like, your your world gets real small real small like all i can think about right now is like my husband and keeping this baby alive yeah. and that's 
that's all I care about. I'm like, oh, Trump did what? I don't give a shit. I don't care about any of this. I don't want to talk about it on my channel. Doesn't matter to me. And I don't know. I, I don't know how much of it is like external and how much of it is my personal experience and my interaction with um, with this online community. Because I, I also kind of feel like like maybe everybody feels like this. Yeah, I think so. I mean, except for like the guys who um, are doing like the Groiper war thing. Like yeah. they seem to be fired up, but like it's very much a boys club. Very much happy to just be on the sidelines and just kind of like, <laughs> you know, go guys. Like, go guys, yeah. Like I just... I feel the same way. It's um, there's only so many times you can repeat the same things or spiral about the same types of degeneracy. And the the thing is, like, there are people out there who do the newsreel thing. They do it better than me. They're more <laughs> consistent. They're more consistent. Yeah. Like, how many people do we need doing that? Yeah. Right. Like, what we actually need, which brings me to my next point, I think. Um, is something that's like a community, a real community, uh, something that feels like a community, something that can provide education and support for right-wing women specifically. Right. You know, because like, that's something that I really, like, I think on some sort of subconscious level or some intuitive level, I knew, you know, I'm moving towards motherhood. I'm all alone. Right. Like, and that's really how I felt. And doing girl talk, like, I feel so fortunate that I that I had that compulsion or that motivation to do that because I built this little community of women who were like me and surrounded myself with all of these really inspiring and, like, intelligent, uh, traditionally-minded women that I now use as a resource all of the time. And I get messages from women all of the time saying, thank you for making this content. Like, I, I, I want this content. Like, there's no one else doing it, and it's such, it's such a huge uh, benefit to me. So I think, you know, even though I have been making the sort of, like, mom life, pregnancy-style um, content for about a month and a half now, um, like, I just feel like I'm slipping into it, and it makes more sense. It's more yeah. effortless. Um, and I feel like I'm actually doing something that's of value as opposed to just being like oh this is what happened to the news today like like isn't this horrible and just being kind of like a, a merchant of despair i feel like i'm yeah. actually doing something good now because i'm focusing on something that's positive creative and yeah. positive exactly that's exactly. so true and and yeah i definitely fell into that pattern too of just despair peddling mm -hmm. um and when you are when you are creating a new life like it really is our job to be hopeful because we can't bear these children in a world where their mothers are acting like there's no hope. Like what is more representative of hope than a new life? And I just feel so blessed that you and I are, that we're able to do this and contribute in this way. And then I talk a lot about like women's role in the movement and I have never wanted a leadership role in the, never wanted a leadership role and I just feel like this is the perfect opportunity for me to like slip into that smaller world that I was talking about this domain of things that I, that I can control to some extent um, with a community of people that understand and it's so it's so important like when I was dealing with all this fertility stuff um, when I when I thought it was a problem when it really wasn't like without you without 
Brittany Pettibone. Like I could not have gotten through this. I would have lost my mind if I didn't have this group of women that understood what I was going through, that was encouraging me. You know, you were so encouraging. You're always sending me articles and like telling me like, just be patient. You'll get pregnant. And like when I'm laying in bed at night thinking about like, I just freaking out, like I'm never going to get pregnant. Like I would think about the things that you had said to me and it was just like, I could not have done it without you. And so there are so many women that are living in various parts of the world um, that are like, I'm alone in this. And we really could build a community um, where these people built valuable friendships. I mean, you and I, we've been friends for years now. We've only met yeah. in real life once. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we have like but a, I, but I a, consider you one of my best friends. Yeah, yeah, totally. And there's no reason that we can't build a community of people that are, um, you know, interacting on Skype that are that are texting each other that kind of have this online relationship. And then every year, every few years, they get together and their families get together. And like, that's what I want to do. So for the audience, Robin and I have been turning it over um, for a while now, but we've been talking about starting a YouTube channel, um, talking about motherhood, and eventually we'll branch out to other things. I mean, it, it could be it could be all sorts of stuff. We could do vlog style stuff about healthy cooking. Um, totally. It just could be a multitude of things. And so we just really wanted to gauge the interest from the, uh, interest from the audience. Um, I know I mentioned this on beauty and the beta and I got a lot of emails about it. And then in the tweet that you put up, you got a lot of emails about it too. It was, there was so much interest, but yeah, so this is guys, this isn't live that you're what you're watching. Right now, <laughs> but There will be a live chat because we're doing it via premiere. So just so that myself and Blonde can take a look at what your guys' reaction to this idea is, please just like, you know, yay or nay, is this something that you would be interested in? Is this content that you think would be valuable to you? And if you have any ideas for a cool name, like also drop that in the chat box. Yeah. Really appreciate it. We've got <laughs> with, a few. Both of us having pregnancy brain, like that is not... <laughs> really a successful thing that's happened. I know you should see our brainstorming <laughs> session some of the names were so bad just terrible but I think right now I like happy at home I think that one's good and I, I like, like motherland too yeah I love so. I love both of those so yeah so if, if you if, could beat those then yeah you can be either of those let us know because we would greatly appreciate the brain power yeah um, behind that um I was even thinking um so I was talking with some of the other women that I have got myself sort of connected with from doing girl talk um i think it would even i mean like obviously it would be it would be our channel it would be our project our passion project but like um we could use other women as resources for things you know like if someone wanted to um make a video about something that they have a special knowledge in mm -hmm. right like they could make a video for our channel right and then we could post sort of like how red ice used to do right she used to do um they used to have like blonde buttermaker yeah, yeah. for a while and they would do diet videos, right? Like healthy eating and that kind of stuff. Like there's no reason why this can't be something which um, connects not just the audience to each other, but other women like us to each other. So that it's like an actual, you know, solid group of women, community women that actually feels supported. The thing, like this is what we've lost really. Yeah. Right? Like, this is what we used to have in our tiny villages that were like Christian and wholesome and, you know, subsidiarity was the way that things were organized, right? On the local level. And unfortunately, I think we have a better chance of achieving what that used to be for women in terms of community organizing by utilizing the internet mm -hmm. than uh, we do by like, you know, dismantling urbanism, which is a great <laughs> idea. But yeah. Like, yeah. Let's be real. Like we need these communities now. 
right. not 10 years from now. So. That's that's so true. Yeah. So I really hope there's a big interest in this. And I, I definitely think that there's going to be because there's no way that we're the only women that have been in this situation. There's just no way. Um, and I think that the, it would really benefit women, especially with the fertility stuff and with um, with the advice about, about birth and about child mm-hmm. rearing if we had a, a really solid community about this. I mean, there's going to be some infighting, I can already tell. But... <laughs> <laughs> but it'll be fine. We'll work it out. We'll work it out. So yeah. So oh, let, let us know. It would be it would be a really cool idea if we could do and, and this is actually like I'm just like talking to you now because I don't think I've even brought this up, but like I've become obsessed with birth stories. It would be really cool if like we could have like a segment once every however long where we just have a woman come on and tell her birth story. Like yeah. I would be interested in that content, you know? Like yeah. I just I just think that there's so much potential for us right. to be creating a very wide range of useful uh, content for women like us out there that there's just such a gap in the market for us. So I really hope, like you said, that people people have a good interest in it. And it's something that, I mean, realistically, we're probably not going to be able to get it off the ground until the new year. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, it's something that it's in the works, but we're both pregnant. So please look at us. <laughs> <laughs> I know I haven't even made a video on my channel in two months, but I think I'm going to do that today so do it yeah absolutely probably time to do it here with me and people people they want that official announcement yeah (laughs) is there anything else that you wanted to mention before we wrap things up here today um oh geez it happened so fast it's already over i guess we have been talking for like an hour haven't we um there'll there'll be more potential or more more opportunities for us to to chatting and i don't i don't want to like give all of our great ideas away all at once (laughs) Yeah, check out the new channel in the new year, and and uh, yeah, but let us know in the comment section. The, the what we're really hung up on right now is the name. <laughs> it's like we we spent like a week of like talking like two hours a day trying to think. Yeah. Of names. And we just were like, we give up. Like, because <laughs> Blonde in the Belly of the Beast was a disastrous moniker to pick because <laughs> it isolated me. It's for, it's way too long. I hate the alliteration. And it isolated me to a single geographic area to which I no longer belong. Yeah. It was just so dumb. It's like, I, I cannot believe I did that. I just wish I would have come out with my name like yeah. right away and then I wouldn't have this weird branding issue. But we also realized that like, my channel, my demographics, it's still 95% male. So like, right. I can't start rolling out mom content on my channel. Yeah, yeah. I can't. It's got to be something new, uh, like a new place where people can go. So, so let us know yeah. in the comment section. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Blonde. Thank you. Always a pleasure talking to you. I'm so excited for what the future has to bring for both of us. Uh, Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye.